0: Yeah.
1: Greetings, happy Tuesday. Welcome to today's free podcast, courtesy of CRTV at the Steve Day Show. Available here on iHeart, iTunes, and Stitcher. Please subscribe, like us, give us positive reviews. Now, if you don't like us, don't lie. We wouldn't want you to do that. Just don't say anything then, because it would hurt our feelings, not to mention it gets it downgrades the availability of our podcast. So if you do like us, though, give us a lot of those really good reviews. That helps us to get the word out. We would greatly appreciate that. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Todd and Aaron are here with me because we just finished wrapping up today's show on CRTV, which you'll be able to watch today using promo code Dace if you're not already a subscriber at CRTV.com. Gentlemen, let's give the audience a little taste of what is to come here on CRTV. Aaron, I'll start with you. What do you you think stood out?
0: Steve has a moment of hope, then remembers this one thing. Thank you. Good. There's your uh, daily clickbait. You got it. Uh... The same problem that we talk about almost every time when Daniel comes on the show. Daniel Horowitz from Daniel CR. Daniel Horowitz. Yep. Um, we don't have a party. Uh, well, we only have... Well, there's only one party. But we, meaning conservatives, we don't have a party. And the we talk about maybe replacing Mitch McConnell as Senate Majority Leader who are you going to replace him with? I don't want to give away the store, so I'll I'll stop there. But it's it's the same type of conversation we've had every time, and there's only one solution.
1: Yeah, your clickbait is uh, right on the money. Because I, I even thought I had, I'm not even trying to, this isn't, you know, I'm trying to come up with something to be fair. I thought I had some legit reasons for optimism, and then he just kept uh Stabbing me with a spork repeatedly on the show today. You can watch it for yourself today at crtv.com. Ty, what about you?
2: Well, both the intro to the show and uh, your topics for Fake News or Not revolved around uh, the NFL, Jamel Hill, the same thing. And it's all an embodiment of my thesis that just keeps uh, growing more solid and solid by the day that the one who is dumbest last loses. And they are exceptional at being dumb last, aren't
1: they? I I mean, we're going on three weeks in a row of this now where they're just getting drilled. They're just getting drilled. And this even goes beyond, this goes to me even beyond just, they really believe this so they don't care. Because there are other areas and avenues they could they could do their race baiting and it has proven to be successful. We've seen that. They could alter their tactics. They could they could move the conversation into areas where they have the advantage culturally, and they they won't. It's it's just like, it's like watching Alabama just they they took out your your first and second string quarterback when you didn't leave a back end to chip away to a tight end in to provide some extra pass protection, and you just thought your five offensive line when we're going to block their defensive front. And you just watched your second quarterback get taken away on the cart. You put the third stringer out there. You're running the same scheme, man. And 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 Nick Saban's on the other sideline looking at you like, really? Really? We're trying not to kill your team here, okay? Seriously? You're going to do this again a third week in a row? They want to play this game out? And it's killing them. They're dying with this. The NFL is getting clubbed. Their numbers are in the tank. They're in the toilet.
0: There's a report out this morning that the uh, owners are going to consider a league-wide rule for standing for the national anthem.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's just guys, 80% of the players in the NBA are black. How is it possible that they are able to avoid this there but not here? You know what I'm You know what I'm saying? I mean the NBA commissioners like uh we will you can get all wokey you want but we we we're going to stand for the national anthem cuz that's kind of the rule of the league it's our custom so so i mean how is it possible the NBA can avoid race baiting itself to death but the NFL which is a far more racially diverse league cannot this is a beyond tactical blunder it it is it is It is ego in the extreme. It's Trump derangement syndrome is what it is. It's an inability to see a larger picture because of your obsession with this guy. And he's playing you for a fool. And if they keep this up, guys, Mike Pence is going to be doing walkouts of every NFL stadium the rest of the season, man. Every NFL stadium stadium. It'll be like that college game day. Come in to your city. Yeah. Yeah, where's Air Force Two flying down? Which NFL games Mike Pence walking out of this week? They're going to do this every week. Because when you've got a mark on the hook, Todd, you just keep milking it for all it's worth. You know, I mean, dude, when you were single, looking to mingle, were you more likely to call the girl who told you no before Again, or the girl that called you? Yes, Todd. Which one were you more likely to call? The latter. The latter. That's all that's happening here. It's simple math. That's all Trump is doing is playing simple math. He's Eddie Eddie these guys to death, man. They're like lumpy. Okay, that's what's. They are the lumpy in this leave it to Beaver analogy. They are getting Eddie hassled to death. How contemporary this show is. <laughs> You're like lumpy. <laughs> i don't watch a lot of the shows that are out today so i don't the you know the beeve. yeah well, i've watched a few shows since then but <laughs> yeah we're not cool but um <laughs> i don't watch much i've tried to you know i mean
0: you don't watch sc6 score center six no I don't yeah.
1: I, I I love Kiefer Sutherland I loved 24 even though they just wrote the most annoying female characters in the history of television every year I tried to watch that show he's got now and where there's a terrorist attack and the entire you know government is killed but the designated. secretary of education or something <laughs> designated survivor is <laughs> that what designated it is designated survivor yeah I try I got three episodes in and it was clear this was just a Hillary Clinton campaign thing so I'm out <laughs> I mean, I and I'm trying to like lower my standards too. I'm trying. I'm I'm, I will own this right now. I am trying to lower my standards. Like 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 a few years ago, if Supergirl would have contrived some fake, uh, gay chic storyline, I'd have been out right away. Out right away. But we're, we're so numb to it now that I'm not as offended by it as I was five years ago, you know? So they turn Supergirl's sister into a lesbian who's getting quote-unquote married. Uh, we're like, it, it's so common now. I'm just like numb to it. I'm not saying that's good. All right? So I'm just, be, I'm just keeping it real. That's where I'm at right now. But when, ev- when they had Superman literally appear on the show and look into the camera and say, last fall, I'm with her. I tapped out. I'm out. That happens? That did happen. Yeah. When it's so ham fisted, I can't I can't abide it. When there's when there's not even an attempt to tell a story. We're just we're we're flat out doing agate prop now. Just flat out agate prop. What is agate prop, Steve? Agate prop is Marxist tactics. It's, it's, it's a tactical weaponry right out of the Marx literally, when I say Marxist, I mean it is a literal Marxist playbook and what it is, is when you want to disabuse a culture of its previous moral standards and symbols its previous mores and traditions and values, you take those and co-opt them and corrupt them so that the culture does not see them as as idyllic as they once did. And this is a way that you can begin to condition them to no longer rally to those symbols so that they will be softened to in the future, rally to your symbolism and your propaganda instead. That's what it is. That's what they're doing all over the place now. They're just agate propping all over the place. So I don't I don't watch a lot of shows. I just cause I'm all because I also know when I get into it, that's what I that's why I just wait for something to come on Netflix. Because if it stands the test of time, I can just binge watch it without commercials later. I I, I will literally watch nothing on commercial television anymore. I'll just wait. Because I just i I just wait for the sort of Damocles to drop. I know what's coming. I know what's coming. You know? I love The Flash. It's my favorite show right now. I decided this year I escaped them agate propping me two seasons in a row. I can't possibly escape it a third, so I'm not watching it this season. I'm just gonna wait till it comes out on Netflix in May. Watch it all. Love the commercials, so I can just fast forward and move beyond that stuff. That's where we are.
0: Here's here's some actual good news though about all of this. Uh, I, you're absolutely right, uh, and I I'm the same way. There's like literally nothing on network television that I would want to watch. But the uh, proliferation of video streaming services came at the same time when there was a growing market for actual good programming. Now, the Netflixes of the worlds and the Amazon primes of the worlds eventually, uh, once they become the main uh, you know, propagator of of television content of new content. Eventually, they're probably going to go the 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 way of agate prop. But it's so easy in this day and age to actually make new shows and make new content. Good point. Yeah, I think that there's always going to be something new and something fresh and something different from the Agate prop.
1: Let me tell you what. And that is an excellent point. That is an excellent point. And you know, because there'll be more. You open up more platforms mm-hmm. for more voices. Yep. And. Uh, listen I, i'm I'm a free market capitalist if the fifteen percent of counties have a, have millions of people that live in these densely populated urban areas so i'm, a, I'm listen if the fifteen percent of counties that voted for Hillary last year, that other America, if that's what they want, then want to consume fine I, I don't have to consume that though, and there's a large untapped market of people. Along the lines of of what we're talking about here, that just don't watch as much of this as they used to. I'll give you. Let me tell you what was maybe the most conservative show I've seen on television in the last five years, at least. The Strain. All right, so The Strain is based off a graphic novel series, and I'm zombied out. Okay, I, I, The Walking Dead, I, the the season premiere last year, where they did the head bashing and stuff, that was my tap out. You know, because I'm at the point we're not going anywhere. This, 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 this we get to nothing. It's just a, a weekly drain circling. Who dies? Who lives? To what end? To no end. It's endless. Well, I, I'm sorry, my worldview just doesn't. I can't support that level of nihilism. At least in pornography someone's getting off. Here in the walking dead we're just offing people because we can. You know, it's a spin the wheel of death, you know? I mean there's not there's it's pointless. It, there, it's 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 utterly pointless. So, I've tapped out. I thought I was going to miss it. I haven't missed it at all, actually. But the strain is the vampire version of this. But the difference was from the very beginning, the show made it clear that the goal was to beat this plague, not to just have at the end of the first season, the hero look around and say, you know, we're the walking dead. We never win. We never find out what caused this. We don't know what the origin is. We just go around just coming up with and, and essentially using this as a launching pad to promote nihilism and, and degradation and violence for the sake of, of, of violence. What I call GORN. And now now my understanding, are you still watching this, Todd? Yeah. Okay. My understanding there's a gay guy named Jesus now on the show? Come uh, on, man. Come on, man. Come he's on. He's a guy named Jesus. Yeah. If he does turn, he yeah, he's doesn't gay. turn. I read yet. it. I read Yeah, he's gay. So you're not even peeing on me and telling me it's raining now. Now you're Landshark. Candace Bergen opens the door and he just whizzes right in your face and walks away. Says, hey, and, and The Walking Dead's on this week at nine on A&E Watch. All right, so we're going to just kill, 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 no point. And then the gay guy, the the gay, chic, you know, glad, rainbow jihad, token character, we're going to name him Jesus? Come on, man. Okay, come on. Really? I'm out. Well, the strain made it clear from the very beginning. The point was that there was an origin to the plague. So we know right away what caused it. We know right away that the goal is to beat what causes it. Okay, I'm in now. I'm in. Maybe a redemption story going on here. The hero is an alcoholic who blew up his own family with his alcoholism and constantly has to fight his own demons, and he, he's trying to get better. And, and, and so, I can, again, we're telling a story. I'm interested. All right? We get to this was the final season of The Strain. Here's the plot line. Now, what we never really knew is we is the master who is essentially the 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 proto vampire he's the genesis he's the original okay the master is looking to essentially um essentially colonize humanity as a permanent vehicle for a food bank that's essentially his goal all right we get into the final season though because at the end of the last season he wins and he touches off a nuclear, he, he, and I, I, I won't get into the whole plot line, but essentially it, he manages to manipulate the touching off of a nuclear exchange that creates a nuclear winter. So the sun is covered 21 out of 24 hours every day now, which means the vampires can be out most of the day, not just at night. So there's nowhere for humanity to rally opposite you know where you know during the day they can go and kill him off like the Dracula movies where they drive the stake through his heart at you know sun at at, at sun at at, at at you know sunrise but we can't do that now so we get to the final season and the in the final season's premiere opens with a commercial from the new vampire government all right this is the commercial I'm not making any of this up they promise universal health care. <laughs> a guaranteed income and all they want in return is for you to donate your blood the opening salvo of the of the final season is governments of vampire A blood-sucking vampire that will bleed you dry with false promises of of free health care and guaranteed income. So you instantly ordered a strain T-shirt. I'm in. I'm in. (laughs) We we get into this, and the whole thing is a ruse, obviously, to play on people's fears to get control over them. There's a big battle. There's a big pro-life battle in the final season because the vampires, the the younger the human the pure, the blood. And so they start taking women who are very fertile, through genetic, they do this genetic testing to find out these women are very fertile, and they start housing them to impregnate them. Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they're inseminating them. To have them keep churning out babies every nine or 11 months because the upper crust of the, the, that's closest to the master, the elite vampires, they want the babies. And, and a human doctor, in order to keep himself alive, and, and, and human collaborators are treated, it's like V when we were kids, human collaborators are treated like they're the elites. And so he wants to be treated like an elite. So, uh, so, a, so a guy that essentially worked for the FBI or the Surgeon General or something has turned on humanity and he is helping them run this he's overseeing the insemination program of these women his wife finds out what's really going on and is disgusted and this touches off an argument where he literally says these babies they're not human they can't function on their own they can't contribute anything to society they're just an unviable tissue mass is the argument that he's making therefore they can be farmed out they can be used parts as parts as parts and every nine months, we just inseminate the, these these same women with another kid. They pop another one out. We put him in the cryogenic freezer, and that way, he's fresh. He or she is fresh when the vampires decide. They they essentially want the um, delicacy. You know, they they want the um, caviar of human blood. These were the these were the debates and plot lines that went on that brought this show to a head in its final season so that one I watched every episode of I was totally in and I've never been one where the show and I think it's clear we're not doing Americanism 101 this week so There you go. But I've never been one where this show, you know, Mike would used to come in here every week and rag on me, you know, well, you're mad that every film that doesn't have a conservative viewpoint. And and you used to hear me say this to him, Todd, how many times over the years did I say to him, if I only watched movies that had conservative viewpoints, I'd hardly ever go to the movies, guys. Mm -hmm. You don't, I don't need you to share my viewpoint. What I need you to do is tell a good story. And if you're in, if you go out of your way to ham-fistedly check all of your, what's happening now is the left is doing is doing with their own line of work what what Christian filmmakers did for too long on our side all right, well, we need to have the redemption story. The bad guy can't, and, and so we have to have that cheesy conversion scene, box checked. Uh, we need to make sure that um, the family always stays together, box checked. At the end, there has everybody has to come to Jesus, has to be happy happy ending, box checked. Uh, we need to make sure that the bad guy, the antagonist, is really written and portrayed one-dimensionally so we don't look like we're glorifying evil or he's cool or chic, Um you know, so we'll water him down and character development so bad that the unbelieving world would be like, who would ever follow this guy? He is such a moron. Check Right? Yeah. Has this not been the, until the last few years when we kind of figured out how to do this a little bit better? Has this with a couple glaring exceptions like Mel Gibson's The Passion, has this not been a lot of Christian storytelling in cinema for the la for most of our adult lives when we've tried to do it? There's almost the, no exception. Yeah, they they their, their, their hallmark movies are after school specials with Bible with Bible verses, right? Now, now, now we're telling stories where at the end of God's Not Dead, Dean Cain's character contemplates his eternal fate, jumps on his cell phone and drives off. He's like, and I kind of like my life the way it is. Now we're being more honest, which is I don't think any coincidence. Our stuff's making a lot more money than it used to make. We're we're actually we're actually deciding we don't have to antibacterial wipe human nature anymore which is i've never understood why we do this because here are some of the plot lines in the scriptures are you guys ready for this okay there's a woman who's a widow and her father-in-law by law is supposed to take care of her so that she doesn't become homeless or fall into prostitution he kind of though doesn't want to have to do that So, in order to manipulate him into fulfilling his obligation to her, she poses as a prostitute on a street where her father-in-law is known to go where prostitutes hang out, where he goes to get his freak on on a regular basis. She poses as one of the prostitutes, letting him impregnate her, because then the law would demand at the threat of capital punishment, he would take care of her since a child is involved. And conceived, Which a child is involved. The father-in-law does purchase his daughter-in-law unknowingly as a prostitute, impregnates her, and now has to take care of her according to the law. That's a plot line. Now, if, if we introduce this to most of our youth ministry as, hey guys, watch this show this week, what would the parents at most churches do? Flip out. Have a meltdown. Now, I am not suggesting... We, we, we suggest this as a TV show for our kids in the youth ministry to watch this week, but I'm making a bigger point here. The scriptures do little to, to shield human depravity. Um, does very little, very little. We see a king nearly lose his entire kingdom because he sees a naked chick bathing on a roof. And he conspires to have her husband sent to the hottest part of the front lines to be killed so that he can essentially steal his wife from him, as well as his life. That sounds like a Falcon Crest episode, Dynasty, when we were kids. Whatever the shows are that are like that nowadays that I don't pay attention Falcon to. Crest. I'm pulling out all the stops, man. <laughs> you told me I had to update it from, from Leave it to Beaver. I moved into the Jane Wyman in the you know, 80s. Give me some credit. <laughs> throw him a freaking bone yes throw me a freaking bone here come on man Lorenzo Lamas man represent stop busting my testes here I'm trying I moved this up a good three decades here in our pop culture references what do you want man uh, Aaron's yep. over there like what the hell is a falcon yeah I <laughs> That's hey, who the hell watched a show called Falcon Crest?
2: How many millennials just said, "I'm not paying for this anymore"? <laughs> what, what is this old man doing? Maybe I should. Maybe that cutting the cord thing was a bad idea.
1: Uh, where was I? I don't remember now. Do you remember where I was? It was great.
0: Uh, yeah, this was. This has been fun.
1: It was a plot line out of Falcon Crest yes. out of the Dynasty. Yeah, da- I mean, da- David. That's Bathsheba. right. But that's right out of the scriptures. It's right out of the scriptures. There's this guy who can't get his wife pregnant. Even though he's been promised that eventually he will. And they've been infertile for years. And the wife's like, you know, my slave girl over there, she's kind of smoking hot. Go knock her up. And, you know, just we'll just raise that kid like it's our own. Because she's a slave girl and that's what we get to do to slaves. Are these the plot lines? Of, if our kids came home from school and said, hey, mom, we watched a film today in class. And it was about this rich guy who couldn't get his wife pregnant. So his wife was like, dude, you know, I'm going to move us into the 90s now. Go knock boots with the slave girl. See, I'm moving. I'm getting closer. We're now we're now making 90s references. Aaron's also, what does knocking boots mean? Exactly. <laughs> okay. So go knock boots with the slave girl over here and we'll just take their kid and raise it like it's our own. And then this will become like a whole love triangle thing. And the, and the two wives it, and women are going to hate each other. If our kids came home from school and said, this was the movie we watched in school, what would, what would we do? Um, there'd be a phone call. Cows would be birthing in suburbs across America as we speak. All of these plot lines I just gave you, that we would we would say, you're really ruining your testimony going and watching movies like that. All of these plot lines I just gave you are right out of the Bible, man right out of the Bible. Hey, there's this really good-looking young stud goes to work for the, the the most powerful guy in his community, except his wife's she's got this whole cougar vibe going, you know, and he just doesn't do it for her, at least not as much as she needs. So she decides, you know what, man, you're a young stud. Certainly, your recuperation time isn't nearly what my, you know, um, approaching middle-age or beyond husband's is. So, since you work for him and I'm his wife. You're going to put out for me. Again, if we came home, if our kids came home from school and said, that's the movie we watched today, what would we do? Lose it. Lose it. If I, how if I walked into most American churches and I said, I want you to open your Bibles up to Ezekiel. I believe it's, is it chapter 23 where this is or somewhere in there? And there she lusted after her lovers whose penises were engorged to the size of, of horses, and whose emissions, whose ejaculate, was as was a thick stream like that of a donkey's. If I did that in most American churches today, what would the reaction be? You can't
0: say that. I
1: can't say that. They, I get canned. I get canned. There'd be a race to the pulpit to see who could, who. Uh, the stonings are outside, and they begin in ten minutes. Thank you then they'll go Old Testament yes now I'm not saying this is what we expose our kids to I mean I've read some I've read some history of the Jewish faith because I think it's important if it's a Christian if you want to understand the Old Testament we have to understand the context of the people it was written by and for at the time well who was it written by and for at the time Jews probably a good idea then especially because who was most of the New Testament like 90% of it was written by who Jews. Jews, so probably a pretty good idea to know a lot about Jewish culture and who the Jews were, since we're kind of, you know, coasting off the off of uh, off of you know their own religion here as Christians. I read that in some places, particularly after the diaspora, meaning the disbursement of the Jews after their captivities, when this is where we were centralized worship at the temple wasn't possible anymore, and this is where the synagogue movement came in and emphasis was placed on being on the local rabbi teaching and leading the community, that in many of these communities during the diaspora, I read they would not let the young men read Song of Songs or Song of Solomon until they were at least... Um, and understand in that culture, age of majority, you were considered a man at thirteen or fourteen after a bar mitzvah. They would make you wait until you were eighteen to twenty-one to read that if you were unmarried, because of the the language is the 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 the, the language is so clearly erotic that they didn't want to titillate unmarried young men in the community. So I'm not suggesting. Uh, that we don't have any restraint or dis- or discipline. I'm not suggesting that. But what I am suggesting is we need to understand that we need not be afraid of human nature because we present history's antidote to human nature, and I think it makes the presentation of our antidote all the more powerful when we don't hide from the truths of human nature. So I don't think we need to shy away from depicting somebody committing adultery in a Christian movie or story. I think we shy away from watching them commit adultery in a Christian movie or story, okay? That's where, you see where the distinction is? Sure. Okay, so while, while the scriptures are very open and honest about human nature, we don't get a blow by blow, The previous example I gave you, we don't get a blow by blow of really what went on between the daughter in law and the father in law who purchased her as a prostitute. We don't get details. Cue scene, curtain falls, and we move to the next part of the story. All right, we don't we don't have, you know, we don't get an account minute by minute of David and Bathsheba. We don't get that. Cue scene, curtain falls, we move on to the next scene. All right, that's what I'm talking about. I think it makes our storytelling more compelling. Far be it for me to tell Tim Leah and Jerry Jenkins how to write a book when they sold 30 million of them. But when I used to read the Left Behind books when they came out, when we got to like book four or five, Nikolai Carpathia was written so one-dimensionally. He was such a joke. You thought, why would anybody fall for this guy? Why would anybody worship this? That's why I stopped after the first book. I mean, the first book grabbed me because as someone who was not a Christian when I read it, but but was heavily involved in politics, what grabbed me is they did such an accurate job of depicting how the world would react to an event like this. How someone like a Carpathia could come about. They nailed that, nailed it. I was totally in. But I think we reach a juncture where we're so afraid that the kids will want to wear Nikolai Carpathia costumes like we wanted to wear Darth Vader costumes at Halloween, sure. that we just watered the villain down to the point that you're just like, no one would be afraid of this guy. Leon Fortunato, the false prophet, is a clown. He's a clown. No one, no. Why would I, there's being a false prophet, and then there's just being a sucky one. He sucks at it. He's like Dorf on prophets. Like, no one would fall for this. No one would be like, "Nah, yeah, I think that guy, you know, I'm going to follow that guy. He seems brilliant. While well, he's just out there making a clown out of himself, they, it, as you go through the, the left-behind books, they can't get anything right. They trip over each other's fallacies all the time. And you're like, gosh, if it was really this easy to create this one world government, maybe somebody, one of us, should have done this all along. I don't think we have to be afraid of showing human nature. I think it makes what we do providing the antidote a more powerful storytelling tool and what I see now guys is I see the left doing with it's its too high in its own supply there's too many boxes and a lot of it is they're afraid of the social media backlash from the SJW crowd and the woke community so we got to check every box and everything else and it's more about making sure we have okay. Did we have a gay character? Check. We got a racist whitey who voted for Trump. Check. We just go down just like we used just like I did a few minutes ago with the Christian movies. Check every box. And and since they have bigger budgets, their agate prop looks better than ours. But the storytelling is beyond anemic. It's beyond anemic. I think it's hurting them. That's why I don't think it's any it's any it's any I don't think it's any coincidence. Look at many of the and we see this every year. But let's just look at this year. What are some of the most successful movies? Guardians of the Galaxy. Who's the star of that? Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt, who is considered one of the nice guys. Is he perfect? He's actually going through a pretty a a divorce right now that he's pretty open about is breaking his heart. We also, though, see him in the midst of that, going to church, living life. He's relatable. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, we've done this show before. Wonder Woman is the most orthodox presentation of Christian theology I have seen in a mainstream Hollywood movie since The Passion. It literally preaches salvation by grace through faith. Literally. It it has numerous conservative themes. It's anti-feminist. It's pro-complementarian. Even it... Now, I read that book when I was a teenager before social media spoiled things for you. So I remember reading it being scared to death reading most of this book and then getting to the end and I'm like even in my pagan state of trying to hook up with every chick I could get my hands on the idea that the way to beat the monster is a bunch of 12 year olds at the dawn of puberty decide that if they're no longer children that it can't target them anymore so the way to pass on to adulthood is to essentially run a train on the one girl in the room and she voluntarily goes for it they have a gang bang frankly that's their that's that's the climax of the well I probably shouldn't have used that as a pun that's that's the that's the. well I mean that's what we call it in storytelling it's the climax of the book that's how they beat the monster
0: the, this, I think the same week that uh, it came out a few weeks a uh, few weeks ago Stephen King tweeted about Donald Trump being a creep. yes by the way self-awareness much
1: exactly by the way what scene is not in the it movie That's that That one not in the movie in fact the the ending is it is essentially if you want to know what it is if you like stranger things it is exactly like stranger things just the kids cuss the kids cuss like the goonies did it's a a cross between goonies the kids cuss like the goonie kids did which frankly that's how we used to cuss in my neighborhood when I was growing up but I didn't grow up in a church house, neither did most of my friends. Uh, and it has a the Stranger Things vibe with the 80's motif and the eeriness. But the way they beat the monster at the end is actually faithfulness to each other. Not sexualizing each other. But, esten- but essentially, um, you know, that whole "a uh, friend sticks closer than a brother thing right out of the scriptures, that's how they beat the monster at the end. They totally changed the ending. That movie's made 300 million dollars domestic. It's the most successful horror film of all time. If the end of the film would have had let's gangbang the 12-year-old girl at the end. If they had the ending Stephen King had, do you think that movie would have made 300 million dollars? No. Not on your freaking life. Not even in this culture as 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 degrading of of our own standards we are becoming. No way, no how with that movie. Had made 100 million. So I think we're watching the left is making the same mistake we have made for many years. They're more interested in promoting their propaganda than telling a good story. So I've rambled on here for like 30 minutes about something I never really intended for us to talk about. That was a
0: great audible. Yeah.
1: So I'm going to be quiet now. You guys get the last word. Take all the time you need.
0: Uh, I was going to say after I... uh, after I after I made the statement about why there's the, the proliferation of new platforms here in the in the digital age means that there's as as long as there's a market for good storytelling there's always going to be good storytelling available. I was going to follow that up with the necessity for Christians to be um, to be good artists. The necessity for Christians to make good. Art. We used to do that all the time. Contemporary art. What was contemporary back in the Middle Ages, and uh, back in time immemorial? You see the amazing architecture, architecture of, of of Catholic churches all throughout Europe. And Todd, you should know this, being a Catholic. This architecture wasn't just. Um, uh, look how big of a building that this church can make. Look how big of a building we can build. Some of it was. I, I, I get that. But when you really study the details, those buildings were works of art that had deeper meaning and uh, so much imagery and symbolism. Uh, that That's one example. Johann Sebastian Bach, so many composers made brilliant, deep Art that was contemporary towards their time now it seems old fashioned and antiquated in our time, but in their, their time it was it was new and it was modern and it was fresh and it was deep. Now I think more than ever, and for whatever reason, the church got away from putting an emphasis on art, and the further we've gotten away from it, the further or the harder it has become. I believe to spread. The message that we're trying to spread of the gospel to our own culture good culture produces or healthy cultures produce good art good art portrays a message if we have the best message we should have the best art as well and right now we're, we're I think we're working towards that in at least in our culture uh, but right now, it's it's not quite there.
2: Uh, to make the kind of one-dimensional movies you talked about, Steve, I, I think it came to a point where it, the Christians in the culture were just the the stick figure families on the back of the cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, to make a good movie, you need on some level, it doesn't, not just a good Christian movie, a good movie, you do need to, on some level, understand sin brokenness r- real brokenness mm-hmm. uh, that's that's a starting point that in and of itself if I may borrow from Aaron is a form of art because that's one of the things that y- you know it theoretically as a father but now that you know Steve and I are pretty deep into this and Steve has a 16 year old I have one who's about to be 14 You you can't even come close to doing it all for them and you want to i mean you desperately want to sunday best you know park them there in that place there, there christian girl done she's safe it, it's never going to be close to that mm-hmm. and that hurts to think about that uh, uh, but we i think we've in we very much lied to ourselves uh, as a culture, for a very long time, that you you could—that's a good little girl. That's a good little girl over there. You know, and it works hard, gets good grades, and, uh, those are the ones the devil comes after the hardest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, uh, in our art, and in our families, and in our politics, and everywhere, we—the like, the cross does not make sense unless we understand sin. Nothing, quite frankly, makes sense unless we understand sin. So we need to get better.
1: Hmm. Both of you have made excellent points there, and I think we can tie them together with this observation. I don't think we can do, Aaron, what you are calling us to do unless we do
2: mm-hmm. what
1: Todd is, is asking. Because if we show that we—, it, when, we, we what you're really saying, Todd, if we, if we don't show we truly understand sin— and why people are driven to it, why it's attractive, why it's temptable, then what would be the reason people would look to us for the antidote if they don't think we understand the affliction? Right. We are then, as you pointed out, we're just the stick figures on the back. And that's what I thought Christianity was, the stick figures on the back. Do-gooderism with Bible yeah. verses. You know? I, I had to face a, my own level of brokenness that on the floor of Kemper Arena that day in Kansas City. Nothing else, nothing else, was going to make me change other than facing that. Is is really the reason Joe White broke me that day on that stage? Is because he understood my sinfulness, and there simultaneously there was empathy and conviction. There has to, because you can have conviction if there's not empathy. I might feel bad about the sins I'm doing right now. This is what we call in evangelicalism false converts. I walked an aisle. I gave my heart to Jesus once, but then the rest of my life, and we're not talking down periods, backsliding, to use the old Baptist term. Literally, there's nothing else the rest of the time that signifies anything happened here. It's a mixture of empathy and conviction. Now, if I just have empathy and no conviction, well, then I might abuse the grace that God gives me. And I might not change for another reason. I might think, all right, I felt bad about that once. I knew it was bad, but, you know, it's totally cool now. You need the empathy. What Joe White gave me that day, what God gave me through Joe White that day was the empathy and the conviction. And that's what broke me. One, that the idea, this guy knew why I was the way I was. And therefore, went. and then when he took his belt off to spank me, I accepted the discipline I had coming. I need, you need, we need them both. And that's where, that's where we get to where Aaron wants us to go. What Aaron was challenging us to do is when we recognize what you just said. There's really no reason for people to come to us for answers if we don't show them we understand their problems. I'll leave you with this. My worldview class that I teach here in town for uh, a homeschool co op. And we played a game in class yesterday. You guys will like this. We played a game. I, I, almost at no weeks do I tell them in advance what the class is going to be because the whole thing's a critical thinking exercise. I want to, them to learn how to think on their feet. So yesterday we played a game that I called Skeptic. And what I do every semester is I divide the class into two teams, like a, and they're each like their local church. And they, they have to work together on their tests, on their projects, to learn to work together and think together like a body of Christ, as opposed to just individual agents on their own. And so I pitted the two teams against each other. I gave them each 50 points to start. Obviously 100, you know, it's a grading scale, so 100's the best you could get. And then I would challenge each team with, a, with a, I'm a skeptic. You have to convince me that what you believe is true. And you have to do it by answering my questions. And I would rate, I'd write on the board, scale of one to 10, how I thought their answers were. And at the end of the class, add them up plus 50. And that's the grade your team got. Okay. And we got to the end. And one of the students who's one of the brightest kids, he was in my worldview class last year too. Natural born leader. Other kids defer to him. And I got to the end, so I really challenge him, because I know he's got it in him. We get to the end of the class, and I mean, I'm, I'm giving him the Clarence Darrow inherit at the wind treatment. All right, he's William Jennings Bryan in the play. I am putting it on him. Because I'm challenging him. Give me an example that what you're telling me is true and has changed your life. And I keep challenging him and challenging him and challenging him. And finally, in front of his classmates, here's what the young man says. When I was 14, my parents bought me my first iPod. Or, I mean, iPad. You know, they probably didn't police it as well as they should have. And I got myself totally into pornography and everything else on the internet. And a couple of years later, I went to a retreat and I really got convicted. And I wish I could tell you that I don't wanna do it anymore, because that's not true, but my ability to, to walk away from it, to know that, that it's bad for me, what it does to me, what it may do to my future wife, has given me, that conviction has given me the strength to each day I am able to resist, to practice more self-control than I was prior. And he's, he's telling me this in front of his classmates. And I looked at him right then and there and that's when I ended the competition and I said that's Michael Jordan game 6 of the 98 NBA finals right there follow through let that hand kind of dangle in the air with your tongue out and do the strut back to the uh, sidelines game over that's your mic drop his kid's name is Jonathan I said Jonathan just went like one of the minions just dropped the mic and walked away that's the clincher now I'm interested because it's what you said Todd you've shown me you understand my sin you have been where I am at so now I might be more ready than I was before to hear what your remedy for it is but if I don't know that you have been where I am at well then you're just trying to impose your dogma on me it's your ideology versus mine and I kind of like my sin Because if I didn't like my sin, what would I have gotten rid of? My sin. My sin. Why do you think I keep it? I like it. So we have to have that empathy and that conviction. Well said, both of you guys. I should have gone to you much earlier in this podcast. It would have been shorter, You were too busy talking about Falcon Crest. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get ball busted on Falcon Crest for months, if not years, to come after that.
0: I still don't know what it is.
1: See? It's already begun. I'm 44. I'm not cool anymore. My name is Steve Dace. Promo code Dace on CRTV.com. Join us there later today. Until then, John 317.
2: This is Steve Dace. I like you.